We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast, Newcastle United, one Arsenal, two. You've got myself, Alex Hurst, Cy Campbell, Ben Wade, Adam Widritten, here to talk to you about uh, what went wrong, what needs to go right, and basically where we are at the minute. But before we get into all that, I have to give a massive plug to the True Faith Supporters Forum, which is Tyneside Irish Centre, 11th of October. The two previous events we had with the local press lads sold out well in advance, so get your tickets now, £10 per person. It all goes to the Newcastle United Fans Food Bank, and we've raised about £7,500 from the previous two events, or you've raised, the people who've come. Um, we're hoping to get over ten grand for this one. The guests that we'll have are simply sensational. Find out more information uh, on the description or the link that I'm going to put in this podcast or whatever platform you listen to. Get to the True Faith website to get tickets for the likes of David Conn, uh, football business analyst for The Guardian, one of the best in the world at what he does, and is also a long-time critic um, of Mike Ashley and Sports Direct and an ally of, of most supporter football causes. Jay, oh, sorry, I've got um, Craig Houston from Sons of Struth uh, Rangers, pod, uh, Rangers podcast that we did recently. Craig was one of the voices that you heard. Massive listenership, about 12,000, 13,000 people, people listen to that podcast alone. So this is your chance to hear Craig speak, ask him some questions, all that kind of stuff. And finally, Jay from Sons of, um, no, no, Spirit of Shankly, the Liverpool supporters for one of the foremost supporters unions in the country. Absolutely crucial their work in getting the away tickets reduced to £30. So these are the people that are going to be talking to us about what fans can do to take the fight to Mike Ashley. Get yourself along. The Magpie group are involved. They're going to have a platform as well on the night to take your questions. And that's it. Lads, Newcastle United, beaten by Arsenal, and uh, I'll start this one off. It was a really, 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 really grim day. Nothing went right. Oh, that's that's harsh. The first half was all right. But as, as positive as I'm sure that we're going to try and be, Arsenal were just really bad. Um, and it's like, I feel more frustrated about this result than any other. Because, you know, Spurs were unlucky. Chelsea, the referee. City are just a great team. I can't blame anyone. I can't blame anyone. You know what? We're going to talk about injuries. We're going to talk about tactics. But it, it was just one of those days where I think the, the stadium was flat, the atmosphere was flat, and it was just a bad day for Newcastle United. I'm not really sure where we'll go from here. Sorry, you're looking at me, so we're going to come to you. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned Spurs and Chelsea there as if they weren't as good as City. Like All three of those teams are, are far, far superior to us, and we, we matched them and, and took them really close. The difference yesterday was that Arsenal weren't weren't worlds ahead of us they weren't a brilliant team and we've somehow 
put in one arguably our worst performance at least in the second half anyway first half we'll, we'll, i'm sure we'll dissect it. it was it was decent in spite of not really creating any chances but we just absolutely fell out of the game from from the moment that free kick hit the back of the net that game was over for us and that that is a worry and that's really disappointing because as you said arsenal had offered nothing up to that point they weren't a good team and we've suddenly collapsed at the hands of of a team that would you know that won't be anywhere near the top four. Yeah. This isn't me anti-Arsenal. Couldn't give a toss about Arsenal. Do what the fucking want for me. Like, I, like I'm not. This isn't me. I can't stand Arsenal. You know that they should be better than they are. I don't think they're very good, no. and I don't yeah. think they're going to be close to where they want to be this season. But they still made us look look like a championship side ultimately. That first half performance from them was was awful. Like we, a better team than than us, or a team that put in a better performance than us would have would have taken advantage of that. I think. Um, that that young lad that David Lewis looking like uh, I can't think of his name at the minute, but um, that's his name. Ganduzi. Yeah. Um, he was it was just a proper show pony of a performance. He he looked great. He was on the ball all the time. He was running everywhere. He he was the, the epitome of everything they did, but they did absolutely nothing because of it. He he didn't want to pass the ball forward, and there was opportunities there to to really get into them. I mean, a midfield. I mean, we we called it before the game that their midfield is quite weak and had we have played Shelby, I think we, we probably could have taken advantage of them. Obviously, he wasn't fit. Um, but it was just, there was an opportunity there that we, we missed and because of that, we, we allowed them to get away with it for 45 minutes. The second they took them off, it turned the game and okay, it wasn't that specific substitution that, that turned things. It was the free kick, as you said, and Xhaka probably never hit a ball better than that in his life. Um, was a great free kick and we were directly behind it. He's, he's hit it so sweetly. There wasn't really a lot Dubravka could have done, but the second that that went in, there, they just realised actually what the hell have we been doing for 45 minutes let's just go at these lads well, pass the ball forward exactly yeah, like, and just they they played the game into our hands in the first 45 minutes we just didn't have the quality out there unfortunately to take advantage of that and then our chance had gone and from, from that point they quickly scored a second as well as taking a goal really well um, and it took us really 40 minutes to, to really sort of get back into the game at that point I mean we've, we've finished relatively well we've created a few chances Hostelou's had a great chance at the end that he's missed but it just took us so long to react and, and really as bad as the, 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 they were for the first 45 minutes they, they showed that they're just a better team in that second 45 and that was frustrating I, yeah I, I agree with you and it's, it's you talk about sort of missed opportunities Ben and it's um, but in a way what, what more can you do you know for, for Arsenal to get at them, we we knew that we needed the high press. It's what Rafa Benitez has done countless times before. Um, Perez started. Jacob Murphy is probably one of the best players that we have to be able to just tirelessly run, and but but to be tactically um, aware as well, and and j- just just have that awareness. He's he's still raw. He'll still lose the ball, um, but without. Without Rondon on the pitch, without Shelby able to pick people out, the fact that Hayden started meant that we couldn't we couldn't better their what what was perceived to be their weak midfield. So you're right in that we we missed opportunities, but it's not really an opportunity if we don't have the players fit or we don't have the players um, again who've, who've travelled thousands of miles for for international football. So it's in terms of team selection, I don't know what more we could have done, but I. I, I, I agree. I, I thought the, the first half was defensively very solid. We, there were no shots on target from any side in the, in, in the first half. But in terms of pressing them high, I only saw us force them to make one error. And I think it's when, uh, was it Czech or a defender put it out for a corner uh, f- for us? That was, that, was, that was one time that we, that we tried to you know, impose ourselves on them. And that wasn't enough. And... We didn't know it at the time after it was a solid first half performance and I thought that's it's pretty much what I'd hope and expect from a, a defensive Rafa side against a top team. 
but we didn't know until the second half that that was our chance. I mean, we we were really positive at half time on the match day podcast. We we felt like we this Arsenal performance that we were against that this was going to be an opportunity for us and we, we were saying about the, the substitutions in the second half were going to be key unfortunately what we didn't realise was obviously Lascelles was carrying the knock and obviously had to come off and I think that probably impacted things as well because I think had Rafa have had those three substitutions I mean we, we talked about potentially bringing the likes of Shelby Kennedy and Rondon all on the pitch against that Arsenal team that we'd seen that 35, first 45 minutes could have could have had some joy against them but obviously things things were taken out of his out of his control well, that was it. I think I think Muto came on because I don't think Perez put in a performance that we, we, we kind of saw first half of the season last season Perez rather than his amazing form in the second half of the season so that took out a, a substitution the because we needed to do the high press um the, the Lascelles injury looked like he was hobbling for most of the first half and it proved right and then you've got like one more one more player to bring on after that um it, it, I just feel that had this fixture been a week later, you'd have likely had Shelby, Kennedy, and Rondon starting that game, and it's a it's a it's a completely different game, and you get a completely different feel. And people people saw that team sheet, and I was doing the match, match day pod when that team sheet came out. Everyone saw Hayden, and just everyone groaned, and you saw Hossley's name, and you thought, you thought yeah, I, I knew that was going to happen as well. And it's it doesn't fill you with confidence. And maybe do you think that was a reason for? A lot of people are thinking that the atmosphere was flat yesterday. Do you think that had a lot to do with it? Yeah, I think I think what Ben said. Yeah, at halftime, I think everyone was pretty content. I mean, the atmosphere wasn't great for. I know Arsenal aren't a aren't a you know headline opponent anymore. You, people don't think of the Arsenal game like they do the Chelsea game, the Man U game, and you don't get that same buzz in the crowd, which is a shame because we need that this season. And and Rafa will never stop banging on about how how important the crowd can be. But um, what was so weird is how. The second half just wasn't what anyone was expecting at all. Like I said, we were all talking about, well, get some of the subs on. We can probably take this to them here. We'll, we'll get some out of this game. And it was the absolute opposite. I mean, we're, we're so, just as we're um, switching off the match data for the second half, the lads coming out like, oh, what's going on here? There's a sub. And just nobody... Th- I, I mean, you were a bit close to the pitch. He said, Lascelles, we had no idea. I had no idea he was carrying a knock. Um, Quite funny because... Listeners might know because I've said it before. I'm not with the lads in Block V at the minute because of an injury. So I'm front row the Gallagher again. And it's quite nice to be taken out of your comfort zone. And obviously, I stand with all of you lot. So we'll, we'll have broadly similar opinions on the game. But it's interesting that the, the, there's a son and a dad next to me. That, again, I don't mean this disparaging, but they literally could not understand why taking the cells off. They were just like, what? Why would you take him off? And I had to like say, like, so rude of me. I mean, like, he's probably injured. Like, it's like that. that, <laughs> that it, it, it's, it's, it's the same with. It's the same with. On social media last night, people saying Rafa's got no excuse for, for for just benching his two best players, and it's like John Joe Shelby's literally injured. Like Rafa said, he's carrying an injury. They're managing. They're trying. Kennedy's not, injured yeah. as well. Yeah, they're trying I not think... to make him tear his thigh muscle, and he's on the bench. I mean, I wanted to get in this later, but he's on the bench, and he might have been okay for ten minutes at one-one or nil-one or nil-nil, but he's not all right for ten minutes at, at nil-two because what's the point in it? So no one will feel as frustrated. As, as Rafa Benitez, yeah. it's it's not it's not a care. I mean, I want to get into it more in terms of players and positions and, and what went right and wrong there. Yeah, but I think I think the point is we were looking comfortable, and even the first five minutes, of the second half, nothing was really happening, and then the free kicks absolutely killed her. And do you think? I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen it again, but my feeling was when I at the, at the time that it was a very soft no, foul. It was a I, I watched it again this morning, and it's a foul. 
It's Fernand, you know, Fernandez had, Fernand had a really good game. There's a bad foul to give away, and it's one of those things. It's thirty yards from goal. You think, and it doesn't really matter normally. And, and it's it, central. It's yeah, one of the central. worst places to have a. Free it's just kick, a great you know? free kick, but, but like it was said, a free kick. R- Rafa's thinking, what, well, what? I've got some changes lined up here. We can get to sixty minutes, keep it nil nil, and then maybe I can go and try and get something out of this game. Because as it stood, nil nil was fine. Everyone was happy with nil nil, and we just see how the game develops keep ourselves in it and then see if we can you know last 50 minutes as we have done most games a season see if we can have a bit of a go at them at the end and just what what happened between the 55th minute and the 65th minute was just the game was over and it just went and Rafa will be so it, pissed off it flicked a switch it was so weird they 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 were nothing and then suddenly that goal gave them all the belief yeah. and they and basically they played in the second half how I expected them to have played the whole game and maybe Maybe us as a fan base, we've been spoiled by the 2-1 win last year and the fact that we beat Chelsea 3-0 and the fact that we beat Man United. Like, do people now expect these to be just winnable games because they're still really, really tough teams to beat? So I don't know if... They just found belief, and we were out of it by 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 the hour mark. It was two 0 You made a, a good point there. Sorry, Ben. You made a good point there that there's two teams playing, and as bad as we were in the second half... Arsenal were much better so it's like you don't even know whether we got worse we may have just stayed at the same level but for Arsenal to go up a gear or two with the players they've got let's face it we have Perez and Hosselu against their front three of Ozil Lagazette and <laughs> Aubameyang who cost 150 million quid now that's, that's they're, they're excellent yeah, players that's not like... Arsenal's fault that's not Arsenal's fault that we are what we are it's not Arsenal's fault that we've got our Alexander Mitrovic money in the bank rather than on the pitch it's not our Arsenal's fault in my opinion the best striker at the football club yesterday the second best striker was playing for West Brom on Friday night <laughs> um, it's, it's like th- this is where we are but before we go into the team and stuff like that and well, I want to talk a little bit about the protests which Adam was at and is partly responsible for. Um, <laughs> Don't tell his employer that. Yeah. Though. <laughs> um, uh, you know why? Why? I mean, I'll, I'll give you a good a good way to look at this. Luke Edwards has just tweeted before we started recording um, that fans that the atmosphere was shite. Basically, I think George Colkin has agreed and Mark Douglas has agreed, and you know they're not fans, but they are you know people who are good journalists and well placed to you know analyze this kind of thing. Why is there not the kind of what's the kind of word, the kind of mentality from the fans that a point there would have been a good result. And I'm guilty of it because before the game, I'm thinking we need to beat these because, you know, we haven't won a game yet. Why do you think, is it what you said, Adam, where people have been spoiled? Why why isn't there that bunker mentality that was against the world that we had it towards the end of last season? You look at the Burnley game, for example, the atmosphere was good. It was 1-1, but people were kind of up for it, whereas yesterday was just flat from start to finish. There's a little bit of last season we were... I mean, we shouldn't have been relegated, but last season we're a newly promoted team. We're Rafa's first se- full season in the Premier League. We've got a, a team of players who've worked their asses off to get where we were, and everyone was kind of behind that. This season just wasn't meant to be that, and it's not Rafa or the players' fault, but nobody wanted to go through another full season of, of having to see this, having to see us scrape and scraping for every point against every team and not be able to put in like positive, happy performances and enjoy enjoying the football, because Rafa doesn't want to have to do this either. None of the players want to have to go through all this, but I think, you know what our fans are like, we've been through enough and it's like this season was meant to be different, this is potentially Rafa's last year as it stands and it was meant to be the one where at least we try and have a go and, and see if we can win something but instead we've taken a massive backward step and it's really hard to get yourself motivated to go through another season of that and I can kind of appreciate that. It, we finished on a high last season, I mean that, that running was ridiculous, everyone was absolutely buzzing and I remember finishing the, the end of last season, I mean we'd be Chelsea 3-0 um, thinking what have we got in store for over the summer and the next year 
naively, obviously knowing exactly what we're dealing with here. But I, I was encouraged and had a lot of excitement about what potentially Rafa could do if if he got all the money that obviously we're talking about players me leaving the club and what that would mean for the the war chest and just it hasn't materialised. And I think that's taken a lot of the wind out of people's sails and it's this, the negativity that we've had over the the summer has carried on to the pitch. And I think. Um, just just people are fed up and, and, and that's why because you go to games now and just think well even if we do like it has to take super natural performances from our from this team to beat the likes of Chelsea, Man City and, and Man U because they're so far because they're so far and, and that's and that's it and we're not we're not getting that so people aren't getting that excitement and unfortunately it's, you're right it's not the players or the manager's fault but equally it's not really the fans fault because they the what what is there to get excited about with with the status that everything is at the minute? Yeah, and I I think that's it for me. It's threefold. I think for a start, and George Colker mentioned this earlier today. Um, in the championship, we had something to play for, and it was to win the league and get promoted. Uh, last season, it was all about um, s- survival. Um, th- and this season, it's just what kind of what 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 are, what are we actually aiming for? It's very difficult to aim for. 10th or do, do you know what I mean like what it where's, is the, where's the where's the passion where's the drive towards what, what's the focus what's the target yeah, what, what's the point of existing right now as, as Newcastle what, yeah, what is yeah. our purpose and it, it's very hard to see and we're all scratching our heads at it and going to matches like that thing and what's the best we're hoping for here a draw against Arsenal but won two points after five games it's just like so, so, the, so there's that there's what Ben mentioned in terms of um, the, the lack of transfers and the lack of excitement and buzz around you know imagine we'd imagine we'd sp- spent we'd be minus 40 million in terms of what we spent we'd have spent an extra 60 million based on what what the net spend was from the summer and there'd been so much more to be excited about people would have been you know buying new shirts with favorite new players on the back all this kind of stuff we've been we've been bereft of that and then the other thing that we can't forget is the actual fixture list that we've had like had we had sort of it's difficult because all the games that we've lost i've sort of ex- Half expected us to lose, so it's 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 a tricky situation that we're in because you look at it and we're like, oh god, we've lost four out of five games. But to take a look at the perspective, they're all games that we have been edged in. We probably could have got a draw against Chelsea, Tottenham in, in terms of our performances, but it didn't happen. I don't think we deserved anything yesterday, given the second half of performance. Um, Man City, that's a long shot anyway, but. But if you, if, you, if, you, if you took those five games we've had so far and spread them over the season, and they just happened as one-offs, no one would really batting an eyelid. Exactly. But when, when you have five difficult games in a row like that and five negative results, it, it just it just breeds negativity. And that's it's really hard to get over. And unfortunately, where Newcastle fans are letting themselves down is this is a time when we really do need to galvanise and keep together and keep the positivity and kind of make a point of, the, of we're still behind this club and manager in spite of what the hell's going on upstairs. But, and But then also, si, I mean, the counter argument of that is that the stadium's full. You find me, you know, another club, I mean, you look at Burnley, they have taken like 30 fans to Wolves and Watford rarely sell out and, you I mean, they sold out yesterday against Man United. Bournemouth don't sell out very often. Leicester, there's often empty seats and it's like, I'm not disagreeing with you, but like, you know, Palace is sold out, Man United sold out, like, <laughs> Like if there was one fan base who was sticking behind the team, it's it's got to be this one. I, I just want to come on that point as well because I, I agree with you, Dodge. I, I think the fans are do the fans have to turn up and get behind the team, but they've also the team have got to do something to get them behind them, and it it works both ways. And I think one of the, the disappointments as well is we've talked about the the lack of activity in the summer. There's not really been any individuals so far that have stood up and really 
give us an, an ex, anything to get excited about. I mean, you look at the new signings that have come in. Rondon's had a couple of glimpses. He's, he's looked solid, but he, he's still not on the pitch. I mean, he didn't, didn't play yesterday. I think Kennedy's ability we know is there, but he's, he's had a few poor performances. And I think that was one substitution yesterday when you came on, you thought, right, come on, have a go at these. Like, this is an opportunity against Bellerin, who's regressed as a footballer, I think, over, over his career and, and his player that Kennedy on his, in his full flight could have run rings around. And he didn't do any of that. He didn't give us any opportunities. We've, we've got Hosselu starting up front who is trying hard and I love his effort levels, but he's, he's just not that ability. There's the, we had a midfield of Hayden and Diarmid. There's nothing going on creatively there. Um, Richie's not had a great start to the season. He's doing what he can, but again, he's 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 exactly he's he's not firing on all cylinders. So it's really hard to get. I mean, you mentioned it before. The, the best performance yesterday, other than the foul, was was um, Fernandez. And who's who's yeah? But who's going to get excited over a centre back having a great performance? It's it's just it's just very difficult at the minute. I think to to get excited about the performances. And yes, it were defensively we look very solid. Rafa's doing a brilliant job in terms of we're keeping we're staying in games against the best teams and we're nullifying a lot of their um their their potential sort of ability to break us down. But there's just very little for us to get excited. You don't get excited about a defensive like conceding two goals against the top four. It, I, th- I think don't. the person you're trying to describe is John Joe Shelby. The first two games of this season, um, sorry, the first sort of two, three games of this season, I thought he was, I thought he was absolutely excellent. I thought he was really, really good. Um, Stats-wise, brilliant in terms of his effort, in terms of him sort of rallying. Like I, I, a couple of few, you know, last month I compared his performances last year at home to Spurs and then this year at home to Spurs and that it was just... Complete sea change, you know. He he was a leader out there. He was, he was taking responsibility. He was looking around and wondering why people weren't, you know, given the effort that he was he, in terms of his sort of final third passes, his creating chances. Like he is, he's such a pivot in our team, and we we have missed him. And he is somebody that we can yeah, you can hang your hat on and get excited about. He, he does lift the crowd. I mean, the, sorry, just one like. What says it all to me is the fact that the two players that were getting the song sung about in the first half were Andre Yedlin. DeAndre Edlin and Paul Dummett, who are two fullbacks, that that says it all. Why? Why is why? I mean, why aren't we singing about the attacking players? Because because they're, they're not, not very doing. good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, let's get on to the protest before we get back on to tactics and players. Um, Adam, you know, protest yesterday. It seemed from everything I've seen to go very well. Good turnout. Good visual demonstration. But then I've also seen some stuff on social media from the likes of If Rafa Goes We Go and the Magpie Group themselves talking about differences of opinion and criticism. So did something happen? Like, what happened? Were there arguments or, or what's kind of gone on here? No, I think there's a there's a few naysayers, which you're always going to get. But were, um, were there naysayers at the event? Yes. That's mental. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, look, if, if you don't agree with protests or you think there's other ways to go, like, I guess, the, the, you know, the, the message is crack on and, and do it. You know, we, we need lots of people doing lots of different things to... To, to form one big sort of sort of movement. I mean, generally speaking, we all need to get together. And you know, uh, a fractured fan base is nothing to fear at all. But I think people people criticising people for trying to make a difference is odd if they're not going to bring any solutions themselves to the table or they're not actually doing anything. It's it's it, it's an odd stance to take, but and it and it plays into Mike Ashley's hands. So it is. But if they want to crack on and do that, that's 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 everyone's personal choice you know magpie group or whatever we we, we can't dictate how people should feel or what everyone's going to have a difference of opinion but i i like to think that this time round it's seeming it seems to be more of a 
a, a collective agreement that this what we're doing is 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 the right way forward in comparison to sort of previous campaigns, if you will. It's st- it's still very much in its early stages. There's a long way to go. Um, lots of people want boycotts, but you know, t- for a boycott to work, as as we well know, you, I don't. We need more support. There needs to be more exposure and need, need more validation that what we're doing is what the wider fan base want because. As much as we, you know, you might get a few hundred retweets on Twitter, that means nothing in the real world. You need to bring in, bring in events like the, the protest uh, yesterday out, you know, on the streets to the people face to face with real people, people who aren't on necessarily on sh- social media. It's it, it's good. Like I say, yesterday it was really visual. Um, it was very well observed. Police were there, but there was there was no actual trouble there, and it wound down. Um, very naturally, and there was lots of people singing um, hate for Mike Ashley, love for the team, and it's how it should have been. Um, and I, I, I like to think there's going to be a lot more of that, but it's, it, it takes time to grow these movements. It's not, it's not, there's no overnight fix, and I guess it's easy, it's very, very easy to criticise because, you, you, you know, you, you put yourself out there to, oh, we're going to do this protest, and it's very easy to say, well, what's Shouting at a Shop going to do? Do you know what I mean? But it's, it's more about that, it's more about the exposure, it's, you know, the more that the no exposure you get in national media outlets, the more those that aren't on Twitter and Facebook are going to know about this kind of stuff and hopefully want to get involved and offer their support and services to, to a movement. It shouldn't be just the responsibility of those in who go to the Magpie group meeting, the closed meetings. It should be everybody who wants to get involved to spread the word, to tell their mates, to tell their dads, granddads, their, their wives, their... Do you know what I mean? Everybody who they feel should know about this stuff and want to get involved. It's, it's everyone's responsibility to spread the word and to make this movement something worthwhile. One thing I would say, the more results we get like yesterday, the more people will start stop buying into it because something's got to change. That the, the, the match yesterday takes you back to why those protests are taking place. I think people have, have been guilty of having slightly short memories in the last uh, few weeks and getting on the back of the manager. There was a lot of groaning in the ground at... at, at or I've already described as players who aren't really that good, not doing very well at football. Like that's the team we've been given with a with a world class manager, and people shouldn't forget that. It's it's so important that we remember what the problem is here, and that's what these people are what doing. That's what that's what the protests are about. There's one huge huge problem at the club, and we've got enough people now to get together and try and do something about it. And anyone who wants to to say that to be a naysayer or to put that down or to sit and kind of shake their heads and go, oh, it's no point in doing that. What have you got then? What are you going to go at the game? Just complain at Rafa instead of the, because the the players aren't playing well. Like it's just it's just mental that the more the longer this goes on, I'd like to think that that it does grow because there's a reason for it. I mean, we we we've been guilty of that as well, though. I mean, I, I remember sitting here last last season talking about how great these players were and <laughs> and loving every single one of them and, and thinking they were the best thing since sliced bread and it. We 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 can be guilty of that, but you you get swept up in that, um, and I think it is one of those things where you just when things are going great, everything's brilliant, but when things are going bad, and things look a hell of a lot it's, worse. It's not that though. I mean, we've got there are there are a good set of lads. I don't again, we've, we've never questioned their application. I mean, maybe a little bit once or twice, but it's it's a good group of players where every team around us are spending money again, improving again. This is what we're, de- we're what we, we're dealing we, with. Yeah, we seem to have got worse. Yeah. To be honest with you, that was going to be one of your questions. Com- comparatively to the teams around us, we have got worse. But. There's a good question here from uh, Sam. Says, is the malaise and blame culture at NUFC spreading downwards from the boardroom to the club's other staff? Basic maintenance needs at the ground are not being met, yet fans are told it's because 
they have to report it. So this is a reference to <laughs> Eddie, the maintenance guy, doing a four-piece part with the Chronicle, which it's like, on one hand, well done for like someone from the club actually coming out on record that's like, you know, never happened before. Um, on the other hand, uh, I'll have, I think, major issues with, with his answers. And if that's how he actually believe, like thinks that it's fans' jobs to report things, that's worrying. And also this idea, <laughs> this idea that, well, the European rugby finals are coming. Ed Sheeran came. The stadium must be all right. Ed Sheeran's manager doesn't give a fuck whether there's EFL branding like on a concourse. And while it's not the biggest, most pressing issue at the football club, it's symbolic of 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 how things are of how how people at the club as Sam kind of implies are are kind of either breeding off the negative negativity from above or or to kind of set culture within the club that people just don't really care anymore and they don't it's the bare minimum culture i mean we must we must be clear as a first team squad and a first team staff in terms of investments the bare minimum hasn't even been achieved so they're even lower than that but in terms of the people that work at the club um, is is this like for any of you? Is this is this a big deal? The way that the stadium seems to be crumbling. Uh, you know, I, I engage with uh, Lee Marshall on Twitter because uh, there was obviously, I think a lot of his answers. I mean, he's just doing his job. He's just trying to keep his job as well. Um, he doesn't want to. Well, he doesn't want to be subordinate, and I'm, I'm sure Eddie doesn't either. And that's probably why we, you got the answers that you got. Um, but looking beyond, you know. He, I think that the answers, it's frustrating when when the responses are, well, you just have to report it to this, that's the process. And it's like, well, why? We're, we're, we're paying a lot of money that the season ticket prices have just gone up. We're paying a lot of money for this. That we, Can't we reasonably expect this to be included in the in the ticket price? Do you know what I mean? Like, just why, sh- why is there suddenly this um, suggestion of... Um, austerity and big society that all everyone needs to muck in together to make this work it's like and you know he's, Lee Marshall was saying well I've, I've met the maintenance team and they do a, a really good job and, I, and do you know what it is I don't it's not their fault I don't doubt their effort I don't doubt any effort of the maintenance team but surely if they put in that much effort and the stadium still looks like it does and everyone's picking up on stuff does that not tell you that there's a lack of investment and they need some bloody help like but they, they, he doesn't he couldn't answer back to that because yeah, it's not. It's, it's both it's, his pay grade. Really it's, it's skeleton staff. Listen to paying customers. Don't just dismiss what paying customers are telling you. If it's one or two, yeah, it's just a couple of whingers. If it's like a couple of hundred people saying the same thing on social media, like maybe the business needs to look at its paying customers and, and accept that it's something that needs to be addressed with actual conviction. The answers are laughable. And like, like Lee Charlie's PR piece that came out at the end of last in May or June whatever with he did a, a you know a kind of day with the local press there are no there are no counter questions there's like questions put to them in print and then the answer's given and then for what I, I presume the chronicle can't and isn't allowed to then say hang on a second you know and then come up with another question it's just left so when um Eddie says that the you know Mike Ashley and the club have got big plans for the training ground like, you know, someone should be able to go and say, hang on there, Mike Ashley was in print recently saying that the training ground doesn't need any improvement because the team finished 10th, which is like, you know, a laughable argument anyway, but ignoring that, it's it just seems it's more kind of North Korean PR from the club. And you say that Lee Marshall's, you know, doing his best, and, and I'm sure he is, but this idea that, that we're wrong or the people who are reporting these things are wrong because the lads are doing their best, well, I think the team are doing their best and we're still shit. 
Like that's kind of so. So to answer Sam's original question, I think there's not a bad point here where there seems to be this collective mentality. Well, we're doing our best. Well, sometimes you, maybe your best isn't good enough. If that's your best, if that's your if, if that is your best, if that's the best Newcastle United can do is to have the stadium in this in this in the state it's in, then I'd, I'd suggest that your best isn't good enough, and there's systematically something wrong within your institution and organisation. Let's not forget that this this season this season alone, Newcastle United will record a record turnover. For in, in its entire existence as a football club, it will have more disposable income to spend. The wage bill won't have gone up, gone up significantly. We'll likely have a hundred, well, eighty million pound wage bill ish, um, and a hundred and sixty to seventy million pound turnover. And they're saying that they're doing their best. Had we spent net forty million this 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 summer, and people say, "Oh, there's some mould in the corner there," and that post hasn't been changed in three years, the club could turn around and say, "Well." We, we bought you a £20 million striker, so that's where the money went. But when you don't do either, you don't yeah. buy players or you upkeep the stadium, then paying customers can reasonably expect, like, what the what, what are you doing? Where's the money? What are you actually investing it in? Because that needs investment, that needs investment, and nothing's getting done. So I think had people, had we got the squad that we hoped for and the transfers that we wanted, people wouldn't, people wouldn't be, would be blind to the stadium um, deficiencies. But here we are. It's really sad, isn't it? St. James's Park, when I first had my season ticket in 2002, was the second biggest stadium in the country. You had so much pride in it. Apart from Old Trafford, St. James's Park was the was the, the next like best stadium that we had. And it's, what, like fifth or sixth now? Um, You've got to remember that at the last fans forum, later on, whoever answered the question said that we weren't going to extend the stadium because the tickets against bottom of the league West Brom sold out. The ground sold out despite West Brom not bringing any fans, but didn't sell out fast enough. That, that's the mentality that you're dealing with. It. They don't know what they have. They think that that what we provide as a fan base is normal. They think this is the bar, and it's not. Like we mentioned before, try being Bournemouth chairman, try being Leicester chairman, or all these things, and and, and they would kill for our support. They would absolutely kill for it. Um, but what you know, I think everyone listening, we haven't said anything new here or anything that anyone doesn't know already, so we may as well move on. So I, um quite often on social media and you know, if you're speaking to people that say Rafa shouldn't be beyond criticism, normally followed by a criticism. A do you think he actually is beyond criticism? Because I'm I'm not sure that he is. Um and you know, like let let's address the team selection. Um h- how can he pick Isaac Hayden? Considering Isaac Hayden both a told the local press away from the club, like fed to the local media, or his agent did that he wanted to fuck off in the summer, and b um, he put in a performance at Cardiff that can only be described as like dirge. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he put in another one of those performances, didn't he? Um, yeah, it's it's a funny one, and you know what? The team selection baffled a lot of people. Um, what I would say is, yeah, he's not he's not. Um, immune to criticism he, he will make mistakes and he's he's quite open about that um i know we we tend to strongly vary on the side of there's always a reason behind what he's doing and he always to be honest to him the the, the reason I, I i give him so much credit is because he answers these questions if people if people have been laying into him for his substitutions for his lineup for all this stuff before the game and we do we always ask the question like well if shelby rondon and um kennedy can be on the bench they must be fit enough to start a game 
if they, if they're not, then should they even be on the bench? It, it's, a, it's a fair question. And Do we have a choice? Yeah. yeah who, that, who, who who else do you put on the bench? Then? That's, yeah. that, exactly. so that, that's that's why. So yeah, in a normal circumstance, if we had a full squad of, play, of other players who should be there, who can Victor play. Fernandez, Sean Longstaff. Yeah, it's it. just just getting ridiculous. Uh, but Rafa came out and addressed it. He addressed the fact that Shelby wasn't quite fit enough. He addressed the fact that Lascelles wasn't fit, but he just went with him because they, they took some gambles. Uh, he addressed the fact that Richie wasn't fit enough, but we played him because he, he looked like he was, he was going to do all right. He thought he was going to be okay. Um, Kennedy's just easy off the back of a little bit of a bad run. He's been getting some flack. Why not give Murphy a go against, against Bellerin? We, we, we decided that was not a bad idea. We get him behind Bellerin. And, but he addressed all these things. He, he answered the questions, and he doesn't just hide behind the fact that you know you don't know what, what you're talking about. He, he, he wants to explain. He wants people to understand his decisions, and I always appreciate that. I was just going to say, it was pretty deflating. I mean, I remember we, we recorded the match day when the team came out and we all were really positive about how, what an opportunity this might be. We talked about how Arsenal have looked so far this season and this was probably going to be our best opportunity of taking one of the scalps in the top six. And that team selection came out and it was just a, oh. And it's like, interesting because we didn't play five at the back, which is what a yeah. lot of people are worried mm-hmm. about. But when you you know you could play three at the back, two at the back, one at the back. When your midfield two was what it was. It's I'm going to criticise here, and I agree with everything that you say. Si. Rondon and Key, okay, they've been across the world, and fine. And I understand. We know. We all know because we've been doing this podcast, and like you people listen, we pay attention to these things. Rafa at the international break, he likes the lads who are with him on the training ground day in day out. It doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, it does matter how good you are. It more matters how bad the players are behind you. So the likes of Yedlin will always get in. It didn't used to, but now, because he has no competition for his place, he'll always come back. No matter where he's been, he'll always get in. So that kind of bothers me a little bit. So Mankio's on the bench yesterday, and he doesn't start, but Yedlin starts. So Yedlin can go to the USA, play two games, and come back and get a game. Rondon and Key, who would have fundamentally improved that starting eleven, you know, I don't even think that's up for debate. I mean, maybe, you know, it's football, it's a game of... Of, of small detail but you're not telling me that Key alongside Diame because Key comes in and proves Diame who doesn't have to be on the ball as much and play the ball because his role is to win the ball and give it to Shelby normally but there's none of that yesterday and you see some wasted possession and then Hostler and Rondon's not even a conversation so if Yedlin can come back and play from going as far almost as Rondon why, why can't we do the same for those two? I would argue that we don't know the fitness levels of the team. I don't. Rondon hasn't played 90 minutes for Rafa Benitez. Um, Yedlin has. And it, it comes down to this trust level, which you can either agree with or disagree, I think. But he has played Hosloo twice at home against big sides and has, he has rewarded them with two goals. Um, so as much as Rondon didn't even... I mean, he's, he came on in the second half against uh See, I disagree, disagree slightly because uh, Hosselu came on for Rondon in that Chelsea game. I mean, I'm, I'm way more comfortable with that. With Rondon, if, even if it's only 55 minutes out of Rondon, Hosselu came on against Chelsea and got a goal. Whereas... No, I, I, I'd see your point, but ultimately, we don't know. And what you can... And I, to back up what Sai was saying just before... What I like and respect about Rafa Benitez is that, yes, of course, of course he gets things wrong and he's not infallible. And of course he's, you know, we shouldn't not criticise him. However, everything he does at least has logic and purpose behind it. There will be a good reason why, as you as mentioned, he, he, he sort of like... He threw back every criticism that was, that was thrown at him. People might not... Might, people might have thought, oh, why didn't Rondon come on at all when we were trailing the game? But maybe... 
it might be a simple way of he's managing his squad, he sees Palace as, when we're 2-0 down, he sees Crystal Palace as a very winnable game. So if we can have a fully fit Shelby, a fully fit Rondon, and a fully fit Kennedy against Crystal yeah. Palace and, 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 and again at Leicester, does... We could get six points out of that, and suddenly we're, we're firing yeah, on Sunders. Uh, some of your more sensitive social media ties have interpreted that as, oh, well, he's just trying to throw the Arsenal game and saving the players for for Palace the following week. It's, like, it's just not that simple, man. He's only willing to take a certain number of gambles. He said it himself, like half the players who haven't been in national duty aren't fit, they're injured. <laughs> Talking about Lascelles, Richie, and Shelby, um, you know, whether or not they can play, whilst also worrying about now we've got a squad of players that include people come from USA, South America. Far East, like he's got, he's got so many decisions to make about right. Is he fit enough to play this game? Is he fit? He can't play them all. He's he's made his decision, and yeah, he, he probably sitting there scratching his head right now, thinking, "Shit, I should have probably gone with Rondon, or I should have done this." But he, there was definitely some logic to everything that happened, and it's just not that straightforward. Can I just say to all those people who are those those absolute morons on social <laughs> media? Um, saying that he, politics and he threw the game. Like, if there's one manager since Bobby Robson that Newcastle have had whose professional integrity cannot be questioned, it's Rafa Benitez. It is an absolute dishonour and disrespect to a man who has achieved so much in the game to, to su- even suggest that he would go out to intentionally lose a game to prove a point. It is absolute bollocks, and I just want to shut it down there. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. I think there's, there's a few other things you have to consider. I mean, you look how important Shelby is, and we've already discussed it already. Shelby is the heartbeat of this team. We, we, we need Shelby to be fit in the games that we've got a chance of winning, not the teams when we're 2-0 down and they've, they've got their tails up, but they're already a better team. Really, what would have bring in Shelby on for the last half an hour yesterday really have achieved? I mean, might have got all back in the game, and well, I, I don't want to be in yeah. the position to be thrown. Get like you can't, you can't. I know you can't be looking at games saying, "Well, it." I mean, he could have come on and won with the game, and that that would have been amazing. But if if Rafa's got a doubt that if he comes on and, and injures himself further, then it's, I, I can, you're going to back. It's going to backfire. I'm far more comfortable with him not making the subs for everything that you've said than I am with the team selection. So fair enough, a 2-0, like I said, Shelby's maybe got 15-20 in him, and it's 2-0, what's the point? Why, why not keep him? Rondon, the same. But bec- And it's you're right, we don't know, but all we can do is speculate, that's why we do the podcast. Every single time Rafa Benitez has been had a transfer window, he's he's done this, he's not played the lads, but then he's played Yedlin this time, because we, we can all understand why. A key doesn't make the bench, um, I don't know why that is. That's an odd one. Maybe because it was, you know, so we're saying who, maybe he's injured, but he hasn't come out and said that. Um, it just seemed a really weird team selection. The subs I'm okay with. People getting annoyed with, people seem to be more annoyed about the subs and not making them. I don't think that's as relevant to the defeat as the team selection is. There's every single chance that you're, you're completely right and that there are major issues with these players. And let's face it, if we lose Rondon, if, if he gets injured, we're getting relegated. You know I mean? It, normally in a normal scenario, if, if we lost Rondon at a normal club, um, a we wouldn't have Hostler as one number two striker. B um, would on like July and January the first have like a, a striker signed up and ready to sign on like for, for like the game on the first. But um, you know what we'll do is we'll sign Slimani again on, on deadline day. Um, when, inju- summer, injured. <laughs> when your summer policy is sell to buy, that well, means you don't get squad not- depth and you don't have the luxury of just being able to. Like the the reason you might have played Yedlin and not Shelby is that as we said before. Maybe he doesn't. He's taking a risk with a couple of players. Maybe he doesn't want to take five risks in the same game. That's probably it's, simply down to it's that. It's not a sell to buy thing. Sell the bank. Sell the bank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sell to save, and then just we'll we'll buy if if we need to. Like if oh. if it's a fan and we'll have to, we'll have to crack on because we've been going forty minutes. Um, I want to talk about um, I was at Perez in a second, but this conspiracy or very small conspiracy amongst a group of weirdos about Rafa throwing the game. 
Reminds me <laughs> of my favourite ever Newcastle conspiracy, which is a game I was at when we won 2-0 at Man City. And Padre basically put out like a hilarious team, like Adam Armstrong when he was like 15, Gabriel Obertan, Aaron's, who was yeah. just a total punt. Um, <laughs> Ryan Taylor played centre mid, I think. It was just a, like a hilarious game, and we won 2 0. People in the aftermath said basically the one game Padre genuinely tried to throw, he, he ended up winning 2 0 live on television <laughs> at, at the champions at the time in a team that had Aguero, Silva, Toure, all the lads playing for Man City. Right. Um, but um, yeah, who wants to talk about? Jose Perez he's coming in for some criticism my major issue with him isn't the lack of end product because we don't get the ball in the box very much and that's where he comes to life it's the fact that he's kind of been ending games on the wing again and I've been delighted for the past two or three seasons that I've not had to watch Jose Perez play on the wing because he's so bad at it and it just seems like we're regressing a little bit with him where he's kind of been you know if, if you can't if you don't want him in the box for the last 10-15 minutes of a game Take take him off, but what? What? Why? I mean, is this just literally Ayuso Perez's fortunes as a player are completely tied to the teams? Is that how we're seeing it with him, or is there something I, I, bigger going I on? I think here? the problem as well is it's it's the um the, the other options that we've got available. It, I mean, we we said it last week. Outside of Richie and Kennedy, you've got Jacob Murphy, and and that's it in terms of wide players. Um, in terms of number tens, we've we've got Muto in, who we still don't really know how to judge him. I mean, he's 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 not looked terrible, but equally as a ten million pound. I'd have, I'd have loved to see him sign. play, you know, yesterday. Yeah. Not nothing against Perez. I'd have just loved to like. I'd, I'd love to have an done. answer, and that's yeah. because I'm like impatient. My yeah. football fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to know if he's any good or not. Yeah. So we're not going to yeah. find out, are we? Like, yeah, and, and that's that's the problem is that it's it is like we, we don't know yet what this lad is, and maybe there is an element there that Rafa doesn't trust him yet to 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 give him the opportunity yet and maybe he's, we, as you say we don't see what's going on behind closed doors he may look absolutely awful and just a headless chicken running around but he's still probably we'll have to use him because we, we hey, don't have the, the, you wanna, the you want a pen at Cardiff yeah. do you know what I mean it's yeah. just looking for small things and yeah. we haven't been ahead in a game this season mm-hmm. which so is it's, worrying it, I mean that, that, he, he nearly got over there I, I'm not saying I don't think he, was that, he, he is useless but I'm just sort of saying that it's the lack of opportunities and I think yeah. of options sorry and the fact that that we haven't uh, resort to Perez playing out the, wide is because we've got nobody else. The weird thing about Perez and why I think he's on the pitch more often than not is because he, he is the best finisher we've got. It's mental saying it. He scored he is, yeah. eight, eight league goals last season, but his, his chance to goal ratio is probably pretty good. If he gets a chance, he, it's just, he hasn't really had a shot. He had one really good one against Chelsea, which Spurs, was a good save. Spurs, uh, Lloris Spurs Lloris, save, yeah. yeah. Um, he's not had a chance yesterday and he, he didn't really get much of the ball at all. And yeah, in games like that, I think you're right. I think there's got to be a decision where he said, say, right, it's not your day, Ayose, get off. Muto, have, have half an hour. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, leave Rondon, or, put Hoslo on as well. Or even I mean, Richie Smith asked for a question saying, "Is is Jake Murphy good enough, and is Perez still not a number ten? Yeah, I, I would, I'd love to see if you give me yesterday again. And this is this is the like total hypocr- hypocrisy of us t- sitting here talking about football and criticizing the manager. He doesn't get to, you know, second guess things, and you know, he's got some of us are criticizing the manager. Yeah. Um, I'd have, you know why not go with Muto and Perez from Perez plays up front at Stoke last season and it's one of the best performances we'll create more chances against her albeit dreadful Stoke side under coming to the end of the manager's tenure and I, I'm not saying yesterday I'm calling for Muto and Perez to start or Perez to start up front but when it when you see the performance like it was in the second half and maybe Rafa will look at this for the future I'm not saying that Palace by the way I want Perez to start up front but you just as a fan you naturally think well why why don't we try something different? Because Hosselu up front, and I like Hosselu, 
do, but doesn't work, we're not going to win the game. It's highly unlikely we're going to win a game this season, in my opinion. Hosselu is like your, your stand-in in a play or TV series. He's like the, he's like the under, he's the stand-in. He he basically is the body that he, he will make the movements and fit the shape that eventually Rondon will fit into. And I think the reason he plays Perez or persists with Perez, a because he knows his game more than Muto, so it's maybe like better the devil you know. And we saw um, when Rondon came on against Forrest, there was good link-up between Perez and, and, and Rondon, and maybe he sees that as the future and Muto to push Perez. But just a, 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 just a quick mention of uh, Perez on the wing. From that right wing position, he actually set up our first shot on target yesterday for Hosselu's header, which sadly went straight down the throat of... Uh, of um of Petacek, but but he it was his right wing cross that was the was the was the was the hostel and then it was of, of all people Federico Fernandez who uh, funny story here it is tell everyone what you did so yesterday I'm front row of the Gallagher to because hang on you're going to tell us the vision you told us or the actual <laughs> truth <laughs> which which was there for everybody to see a match of the day um, it, so yeah I told the lads that I caught the ball after Peter Check tipped the ball over the bar in fact I stood up and it hit my knee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> caught, caught, caught on the cameras on match of the yeah, day. It is. I'll, I'll put a. I might put a tweet up because I've caught it on match of the day. Uh, you can see me missing the ball, but then I, I grabbed it. Or someone passed me the ball, and I grabbed the ball. And in my excitement, um, obviously we're two 0 down here. This is before Clark scores. We're two 0 down, and in my excitement, and kind of like, oh, we nearly scored. Oh shit, where's the ball? I grabbed the ball and like hoid it really far to the wrong side of the corner. <laughs> so we're taking the corner from the left. And I threw it to the right, wasting about 30 seconds. And everyone behind me, the, the Gallagher, had a massive go at Hosselu because he wasn't paying attention. Poor lad. Because he was lad. Like, looking the other way. And the ball kind of rolled past him. And he didn't know it was there. And people were kicking off. And it was fully my fault. Just, <laughs> just, I, I actually thought, what, you know, it was. Where the, where, the, where the keeper tipped it over, it was on that it side of the, the right goal. Of the so goal, surely yeah. it goes to that yeah, side of the he, corner. He gave, a, he gave a corner the other way, but I just launched the ball. And it went miles, so just wasting <laughs> crucial seconds. Like so, it was all down to Dodds. Unai, you're. Uh, I'll give you the address later to send us that. Time. <laughs> Waste we're, of precious time, but poor Hoss. Just getting in the game there as well, doggy. You've killed <laughs> yeah, her. Killed her. In, in, all, in all seriousness, Hosslow should have scored. Um, he's put. Kieran Clark's had it was, was far better. Um, by even the, that was straight at the queue. Yeah, <laughs> just, by, just by the way, though, centre back to centre back yeah, combo. Can, I mean, Arsenal. This is an Arsenal podcast, but even though Arsenal won the game, the defending there. Like, oh my god, there's just there's just no one marking Kieran Clark in the box. Like you've only got to see out this set piece, lads, and you've won the game. That, that and to leave Kieran Clark and Mark. That's how Philip Albert like, did it, man. He just ghosted in. It's just like, <laughs> wow, like that, that, so bad. That's one of the frustrations though, is that Socrates and um Mustafi at the back and Bellerin and Monreal, I mean, and, and Czech trying to play the ball out and everything. That that was a massive opportunity, and that's what's so frustrating. Yeah, we had, we had like five corners in the first half an hour as well, and we made nothing. Moment of, of the season when Czech passed that ball out yeah. in the first half. It's like, it's as good as it's got. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> just to continue what you've just said there, like, we, if, if you look at that first half, if, if anyone was taking the game to anyone, it was us taking the game yeah. to Arsenal. Yeah. And, and and yes, we didn't create too much in open play, but we peppered them with what? What, what, what did we have, like six, seven, eight corners in that first half? Maybe six or seven? He is right. Like they were just kicking the ball out of play. They, for they, did, nothing. <laughs> they, they did nothing. They did nothing. So like, you know, and, and there's a wider point, you know, you get, even like Chronicle saying that we've had a dreadful start this season. Like results wise, like points on the boards wise, yeah, but if you, if you look at context of who we've played, how we've played, and how close we've come to getting a couple of points against decent, like re- reasonable teams, 
surely Newcastle under Ashley have seen far more dreadful uh, starts to a season. Like, do you know what I mean? Is, is, this, a, is this an argument for Hayden and Diarmi to, <laughs> to remain in the centre mid? I've got a, I've got a good one for you on that. I totally agree. And these people on social media saying, "Fuck's sake, worst start at home for fifty years." Well, it's not as bad as start at home in the championship, even though we've got more points because you're in the fucking championship. So, like, it's it's just bollocks, isn't it? At the end of the day. Um, I think that's it, lads. I think we'll just want to have a quick talk about the context. I mean, Adam, I have a feeling where I know you're coming from. Like, will we be okay this season? I think, I think we need our full strength side fit, and we'll we'll, we'll know then. It's too, it's too early to say, but I I am less panicked about what's what's happened the last five games than a lot of people are. Um, if you look at our defensive performances, and again, I've got a quick little stat here. Um, out of those out of those three home games against uh, Spurs. Chelsea and Arsenal, we reduced them to collectively 10 shots on target. Now, Rafa will play at the percentages. You could argue, yeah, six of them went in. But if we keep that sort of defensive solidity against lesser sides, if we can contain three of the best attacking sides in the league, regardless of what problems they're going through personally, they're still better than us, all of them. If we can reduce them to 10 shots on target out over three games, um, then we're doing something right defensively. The, 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 only op- the offset of that is... We've only managed 14 shots on target this season so far, and six of them were against Cardiff. So defensively, we seem to have it set, and that's impressive given that Lejeune's injured. We've had Cher and Fernandez come in, and we've played a different system as well. We've played the five at the back. So that seems to be quite encouraging. But what isn't encouraging is the amount of shots on target that we're missing. You know, our finish against Spurs was poor. Chelsea was poor. Cardiff was poor. That's what we need to improve, and hopefully Rondon can remedy that. But we need Shelby back, and we need someone like Kennedy putting in a performance like he did against Spurs, which we haven't really seen that level of performance since. Same question, lads. Ben, we're going to be okay. I'm, yeah, I'm get I'm in in two minds. I think that you have to take the the context of the games we've played. I mean, the only winnable game really that we've played is, is Cardiff, and we've missed a ninety fifth minute penalty to, to win that, which we could have done. And, um, the other games we've we've been in them we've we've played well in stages against I mean Spurs second half we looked brilliant and we're really lucky not to, to win that game with you, you're right in terms of defensively we look really solid and I don't expect we're to struggle against the lesser teams then I'm not going to come here and over, over runway or anything I mean there's no chance of a Watford for example last season where we got absolutely torn apart that that I just don't see that happening with with this this team that's set up. The, the worry is always going to be how we score goals and um, the, the, op- the options that we've got. I mean, it, as I say, I'll come back to it, it, it all depends on the fitness of Shelby. Now, there's a looking around the rest of the league, there's a few other teams that are looking really, really poor. Burnley, I think, will be a surprise for some. Um, obviously, the, 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 they'll point at their European form and you would expect them now that out of that that they'll recover, but they've lost again today, I think, um, to, to Wolves and, and they look really poor and, and obviously that, that wild card that is Joe Hart that's in goal for them, He's going to be worth uh, at least 12 points shift. Welcome to the Burnley podcast. Um, <laughs> I just had to get a dig in at him. Um, but there's, there's there's other teams there. That, I mean, the Cardiff are an obvious one. I think Huddersfield and Brighton, although they've spent money, you again would say that we're in in with a shout of finishing above them. So I'm not too worried at this point whereby I think we've got a legitimate claim for, for being in a relegation battle, but it, it does look harder and harder because we are so reliant on so few individuals. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the point of this recording, the uh, podcast, West Ham as well. No points have looked terrible. There's, there's enough teams down there that you you want to think will be all right. Um, 
I think we've just got to remember where we were at the at the end of the transfer window. I think everyone knew what had happened. Everyone knew that this squad had not been invested enough and they were probably in for a harder season than we were the season before because we just, whilst we kind of got a couple of players in towards the end of it, we didn't know anything about them and we, we just we knew this was it wasn't going to be the season we thought it was going to be. Um, we also knew from that point, looking at the fixture list, that we would be where we are now, one or two points. I think We knew we'd be lucky to, to have won any of those games. Cardiff away being the one but that's that's a newly promoted Premier League team in their first home match not the best time to play them at all um so in context the fact that we've come away with with a draw and a 2-1 defeat to all of the other of the top six teams that we've played you've got to think that over the course of the season we'll 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 get a bit of luck and we'll 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 see some of those games where we should have got a point or maybe three and we've, we've said it last season we said it during Rafa's run up to Christmas was it nine defeats in a row eight eight to nine defeats in a row We've been through it before. We know that he can he can sort it out, and we've yet to see our full best eleven out. We've yet to have you know Shelby, Lascelles, Rondon all fit in the same team. You've got to think once once we can get them out, there'll be there'll be three points. They'll be winning games. If someone had said to me at the start of the season that we're going to lose against Spurs, uh, Chelsea, Man City, and Arsenal, you'd probably think. Yeah, yeah, that's. But if if you're going to lose those four games, how would you prefer to lose them? Well, I'd quite like to score at least, and I'd quite like to be in the game and not get humped four nil in any of them. And actually, we've sort of they've. It's it, people criticise me for saying this, but I think they were, they were all good good defeats, or most of them have been good defeats. I thought yesterday was bar the first half was meh, but I think largely those four games have been the best defeats that you could kind of hope for if you're going to lose the game. We've scored. And we've we've taken it right to the wire in a couple of the games. So, what do you want, like? I'll be a little bit more negative. I still think we'll stay up, but it, it's all dependent on fitness. And we we're lucky last season we didn't lose anyone for a full season, did we? Um, Lejeune's already out. Or and if you were to lose Shelby, Shelby are you know Lascelles is, is is massively important. But we are good defensively even without him. But I still think he's huge. But if you lose Shelby or Rondon for any prolonged period of time, I'd, I'd say would really struggle. The issue is we, we literally took the piss in January, signed a lad from Chelsea on loan who couldn't get on the bench, who worked out really well, signed Sparta Prague's reserve goalkeeper who worked out really well, and those two signings kind of made the difference. If we take the same piss-take gambles this time and don't spend any money, then I think we might get relegated. But enough of that. You know, we'll go to Palace, we'll go to Leicester. This is the beautiful thing about this game of ours. We could be travelling back next week, lads, on that bus from Palace on top of the world. That's yeah. football. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that we will go and beat Crystal Palace, who aren't a great side next week. Although I think we're all prepared for the Zaha diving pen right now. <laughs> um, and why not? So thanks very much to everybody who's listened to this um, and watched on YouTube. Give our YouTube follow a follow if, uh, if that's your thing channel to follow if that's <laughs> your thing and um yeah thanks to our patrons over 300 of you who uh, continue to support this for five pounds a month keeps this show free of charge and you get loads of extra bonus content you know what it's not great at the minute but we still love talking about newcastle united we get loads of positive feedback so keep it with true faith it's therapy cheers everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.